There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I'm your host, Tim McKernan, broadcasting from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. And today it is a special edition of questions from the audience because so many questions are now coming in via email that I didn't even really need to post anything on the fan page. I just knew we were locked and loaded for this week. And once again, we kind of go philosophical in a variety of different directions. And I'm looking forward to tending to those questions. So, uh, your questions are always welcome anytime. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. And I continue to say it because I'm looking for you, if you want to, to push the envelope to the point that you think I might go when I read your email. Hey, hey, bro, what's the word? Go fuck yourself. I can't believe you sent that to me. That's that's what I'm looking for. And 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 you know what? It just must be an audience full of nothing but ladies and gentlemen because uh, these questions are never uh, questions that I go, hey, go fuck yourself. They go, I go, wow, that's a really good question. I, first off, I've never, I know I've never talked about that. And secondly, I've never really even thought about that. Um, and I guess maybe some people, I, I, should, I should take that back. I know that like if I'm picturing um, like my co-hosts on TMA, the cat or Doug, or even uh, bringing in anybody like, you know, uh, who has kids, uh, Pete and Iggy and the Plowhawk do not, but uh, Charlie has a, one-year-old daughter and Jennings has some, um, I think at this point would be called adult children, young adult children. So uh, they might not be comfortable talking about some of the stuff because some of it relates to parenting, I suppose. Uh, but either way, I welcome, I want it. I want the questions. And then what what, what I'm noticing happening is either pri- previous interviews or previous questions that are answered then lead to more questions. So it's kind of like this ongoing dialogue. So anyway, I really enjoy questions from the audience. And hey, uh, fun fact for no one tell, uh, over the next, um, I guess, uh, two plus months or so, I will be doing um, TMA and the Tim McKernan show from Jupiter, Florida for Cardinal Spring Training. I'm also participating in Cardinal Fantasy Camp, uh, hoping to avoid injury. I really feel like, like for real, if you were putting odds on whether or not I sustain an injury that would like, let's, let's, let's qualify what an injury would actually mean um, because inevitably I'm going to be sore that that goes without saying but uh, something that would keep me from working out and I'm not talking about like working out when I'm playing in the fantasy camp although that certainly would count but I'm talking about like after the camp like I wouldn't be able to go to the gym and work out or um, something is seemingly sim- simple as play golf uh, and I legitimately think from talking to the people who have participated in it that it's really a coin flip. It's really a coin flip. So um, Nick Yale, who uh, who has shot a number of videos for the Tim McKernan show, has uh, worked for the station and uh, for Inside STL. He's a great guy, very, very talented. Uh, he is going to be the videographer on this experience. So I would imagine we'll be tweeting out things from at Tim McKernan, my Twitter account, my personal Twitter account, at the Tim McKernan show, or at the Tim McKernan show, I guess, is the, uh, the show account. And then the uh, TMA fan page, and uh, you can uh, rip my athletic ability. But the, the reality is 
you know, I was cut in 1991 from the freshman team at St. Louis U High. I made the team and started at second base in 1992 on the B team uh, and then developed um, what some people from the 80s would call Steve Sachs disease or people from the 90s would call Chuck Knobloch disease or people would associate with Rick Ankeel in the 2000s with my inability to throw the ball from second base to first base. And as you might imagine, uh, that, that can, that can kill a career immediately. Uh, so I really, when I got in the cage, hadn't swung a bat in for real about 25 years. Um, and then I played catch for the first time, like actually played catch. And it wasn't like, it was like, you know, long toss or anything like that. Uh, thinking that it would hurt my arm the next day. Like there'd be either some shoulder elbow thing going on here at 42 years old. Uh, but it did not, but either way, from what I understand from people who have played or people who just occasionally still play, it's the stopping and starting that, uh, that can get you with regard to running. So I am on the Yachty or Molina base, base running plan. And, uh, and hopefully that will curtail it. Even though I know that some of the, the players who, uh, I used to cover when I was doing television or are familiar with the radio show are, uh, looking forward to hazing my balls off, throwing at me, uh, tossing me into a dumpster, uh, stealing things from my locker. Take your pick. Uh, I will attempt to detail it without breaking the omerta of the clubhouse uh, over the course of the uh, the next week via social media, and then we'll recap it next week. Then I'll be down there um, and conducting interviews throughout the course of spring training. And, and for real, you know, when people, if, first off, I would imagine a number of you uh, listening don't even know that, you know, from 2000 through 2005, I made my living really mainly doing television, working at KMOV. Um, and to think that that's, I, hope, I mean, it's damn near 20 years ago since I got hired at KMOV, which for real fucks me up beyond belief. Um, the nice thing is, is that I'm only 42, considering that, that was 20 years ago. It still fucks me up. But uh, but the, the only thing I ever missed when people would say, Oh, you missed TV or why'd you, why'd you leave TV or people thought I got fired from KMOV. And I, the only thing I miss for real is doing long form interviews. And I would do these long form interviews when I would go down to spring training and I went down to spring training for KMOV in 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. And I think I had just left when spring training was going on in 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was right around there. I don't know. Maybe I did go in 2005 actually. Uh, for KMOV. I don't know. Either way, point being, I went down there a number of years and I would do these long form interviews. And then we had an hour long show on Sunday nights. Back in the day, uh, Sunday night, local sports was huge. And really you have to credit Mike Bush of KSDK for Sports Plus and his producers and then Frank Cusimano and Trey Wingo and Malcolm Briggs and Matt Weiner. I mean, what a sports department. And then so we at KMOV and this started up before I got there in 2000, Steve Savard and Doug Vaughn. Uh, they did their own version of it and it got to a point where we both had hour long shows. And when you have an hour long show, you got to fill it. And so I would love doing these long form interviews. And since they needed to fill the show, they would let me run like nine minutes of these things. So I've been doing long form interviews for a long time. Now with the podcast, I, we can go two hours and it doesn't matter. Um, and, and so now I will be able to do these long form interviews. At least my plan is with, uh, the Cardinals while I'm down there and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and hopefully that will provide, um, our audience here on the Tim McKernan show with some, uh, Cardinal interviews that, uh, you know, uh, will perhaps give you, uh, you know, 
perspective on some of these guys who you haven't heard from in a long form, uh, you know, all that often. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing while down in Jupiter, Florida, where we will be doing TMA uh, from February 11th through February 15th. And I'll be doing the show from down there. We have a client trip, uh, excuse me, we have a listener trip, uh, trip. If you are interested in going down to Jupiter, Florida, staying at PGA National, we have worked out a deal with PGA National for real. Super uh, excited about this. It goes from March 6th through the 10th, but you can arrive on whatever day you want. It just closes out on March 10th. And uh, it's $600 a night, but you're splitting a room with somebody. And that includes both of your golf, both of your room, obviously, and your breakfast um, each day. So for a bit, 300 plus, and we're talking, I think the exact number is 317 per person. I think that's everything. Uh, that gets you a room at PGA National, which is usually 400 plus by itself, plus a round of golf. Um, and it does not include like the champions course. You can play a sur- pay a surcharge and get the champions course. That's where the Honda Classic will be held just the weekend before, like four days beforehand. Um, but it includes, I think, three of the five courses on PGA National. If we get enough people to do it, uh, we're going to have uh, a tournament on the 8th. And then ideally, we get enough people and we make this an annual thing. So if you're interested, it's PGA National. Uh, email me, Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com, or the details are sitting up there uh, on uh, the TMA fan page if you are a member of that on Facebook. Or just email me, Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. It's uh, it's our first spring training slash golf trip coming up on March 6th at PGA National. So there all that is. Uh, fired up for it. Looking forward to spending time with uh, listeners of uh, the podcast, listeners of the show. And, man, if you've never been down there, I'm telling you, it is, I think for a lot of St. Louisans just in general, it's, a, it's an addition by subtraction because you're getting out of the gray, cold, precipitation-filled, whether it be rain or snow or ice, weather so it's that's an addition by subtraction just by and you can fly down there by the way if you're kind of going well what, how much would this cost you can fly down there uh on frontier for like 60 bucks on sundays and thursdays so just as a fun fact for no one telling the frontier charges you for bags but still it's super inexpensive but you can still get flights into palm beach international and southwest relatively speaking uh, inexpensively so um, it's a great opportunity and i'm telling you, it's a great rate and pga nationals ridiculous but jupiter's just it's it's so good for so many reasons. Um, and so, uh, I would really recommend it, but then you add, you're going to PGA national, you're getting to play golf there. You're getting to go to a Cardinal game. Um, if you want to, uh, that's not included, but it's not like spring training tickets or $500 or anything. And then there's just some phenomenal restaurants and nightlife, uh, not like club nightlife, but just, you know, laid back spots where a bunch of people with, you know, there's some energy is how I would describe it in good weather. That's why a lot of the PGA Tour players have relocated there. So anyway, if you're interested, uh, we just announced this, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'd love to be able to show people who have uh, been loyal listeners of TMA or the Tim McKernan Show around Jupiter and play golf with you and hang out. So if you're like with a buddy or whatever going, man, I would love to go down there for that. We've always talked about it. Well, here you go. This is the prime opportunity. And I can't imagine you'll ever be able to stay at PGA National, play on the course, um, for this rate. And I realize, listen, it's not like I'm going, oh, $300 a night, it's nothing, but it's $300 for golf for your room at a t- top of the line resort and, um, and your breakfast. So, you know, uh, relatively speaking, it's, it's a very good deal, but I, you know, I know it's not, you know, I know it's not, it might not be in the cards for everybody. 
uh, for work reasons or whatever the case might be. But I wanted to make sure I let people know about it. All right. Questions from the audience from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. All of our sponsors making this thing possible. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. The studio sponsor, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at EvergreenSTL.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Mike Judy of MikeJudyPresents.com, and Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth. Exit online at Landoff.com. Those are all of the sponsors of the Tim McKernan Show. So what do we have today and the questions from the audience? Now, I did say I, they're all in the, uh, in the uh, email, but then I just posted. I said, hey, on the fan page, I said, uh, I already have three questions that I'm really happy with, but on the off chance that somebody has something they want to try and sneak in right before we uh, go, uh, let me know. So I'm going to have to take a gander at, uh, at these and, uh, maybe, uh, we will include one of these on the back end, but so far well, now somebody just added another one via email, but I know we have three really good ones. Well, I think they're good ones. Maybe you won't, but I think they're good ones. Uh, and so I've written out the names on my sheet of paper and so I will go to them. Right now, let's take a gander. Uh, Hey, Tim, I've really been enjoying the podcast. This comes from Adam. I've especially liked the discussions about the pitchfork mafia and call-out culture, which, why it has happened and the hypocrisy involved. The recommendation of the Joe Rogan podcast was terrific. The boycott culture that I think began on the religious right in the 80s and 90s has really accelerated on both the left and right with social media, and there seems to be no acceptance that people can make mistakes or change opinions without being taken down, like James Gunn, Kevin Hart, etc., which is really sad. But I digress. I was wondering if there are any strong opinions that you held that you have completely changed your mind on over the past few years since your son was born. Just uh, for clarification purposes, uh, our son is 17 months old. He'll be 17 months old in two days. Uh, I was thinking of stuff like things like political opinions or about people you thought were jerks that were good people or vice versa. Similar to you, I didn't have a child until my 40s. For me, uh, once I had my daughter six years ago, uh, even though I have a very mixed political opinion and lean the left on many more things than the right, I have felt a steady pull towards conservative opinions. I'm unsure if that is because I'm so turned off by the tactics of many on the left, if it is the influence of friends who mostly lean right or just a natural change by getting older and having kids. Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. That's from Adam. So really good stuff. That's why I said I think these questions are really good. Um, I think a number of people, and there are really kind of like, it's like an outline there. There's like kind of Roman numeral one, two, and three to the whole thing. I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, so specific, which I think is kind of at the epicenter of the email and the question is, did having a child impact my, I guess to be specific, he says political opinions. Um, and the answer to that is no, but I think that more often than not, it certainly can for people. Um, for me, personally, and I'm not saying that this is right or wrong, but I'm, a, I'm asked a question, so I give my personal perspective on it. For me, personally, so much of what I view on the way I vote is based on whether or not someone, male, female, black, white, gay, straight, whatever way you would want to label somebody, it does not matter to me. 
I just, I'm just, I just don't care. Um, uh, if, if my belief, if my intuition is that this person says what he or she means as often as possible, because I realize sometimes you just have to keep some things in the room, uh, but does not mislead uh, his or her constituency or potential constituency, and um, will act in the greater good when no one's looking. That's, that's, and again, I know I've discussed it multiple times. Uh, it's really unfair because it's intuitive. I think a better way to convey it, I suppose, would be to list examples um, as far as traits. It might help me better understand it. I will say this, um, in my opinion, because my wife and I were having this discussion here within the last few weeks, uh, since I feel like I started following this stuff, I, w I would never say getting involved, but following it, um, my intuition, w whether it be on a, a political candidate or somebody who's already in office, or even when it gets down to uh, bringing people inside the, the family, so to speak, uh, as in hiring people for inside STL or playing a role in hiring people for TMA, uh, I'm very happy with the batting average on that. It does not mean that I'm batting a thousand, um, but for the most part, the intuition has, has been good. Um, and, and while I know that that might sound like I'm performing auto fellatio, uh, it, it's, 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 and there's nothing I can do if you take it that way. That's not because it, it's really not. It's 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 not like I, to me, performing auto fellatio on it would be like I've come up with this method to hire people and here's how it's worked and I've taken this company that I bought for this and now it's worth this and because that's just not the way that it is. I still don't know when I talk about this intuition what it actually is, but when I look back on like now kind of how the game has played out, so to speak, with a variety of whether it be people I've hired or um, with people I've voted for, or even in the case, for example, in 2008, um, I thought we had two incredible presidential candidates. Presidential, I want to emphasize. Um, but I voted for Barack Obama. But in many years, I would have been happy to vote for John McCain, assuming that he doesn't pick Sarah Palin as his running mate. I would have been, couldn't have been happier to vote for John McCain. And so plenty of people go, wow, they, they come at things with a different political philosophy. And I would say, you are exactly right, which tells, which should tell where I'm coming from, which is so often I'm going to be voting for the person and not necessarily the platform, which I realize puts me most likely in the minority. But it also is why um, I think I either take your pick, alienate both liberals and conservatives or uh, unintentionally endear myself to both liberals and conservatives because I will have uh, an opinion that will really, you know, um, what's the word? resonate is the word I'm looking for with a conservative, which might upset a liberal or vice versa. But, you know, if it's a ball, it's a ball. And if it's a strike, it's a strike. And when I'm sitting here on the microphone, whether it be on my podcast or it be on the radio show, my obligation is to, to give you my honest assessment. And so I'm not really proud of the fact that I can't rattle off the reasons why I have the intuition that I have on whether it be hires or, or political uh, candidates. 
I just like, for example, we've, we've cited Jack Danforth as an example, but I hold him in such high esteem. Uh, and I did before I even met him. So it's not like, Oh, Jack Danforth actually associates with me. So therefore I will make Jack Danforth out to be the second coming. Uh, the reason why I met him is because somebody close to him had heard me talking about the, the reverence with which I held him. And, and it's not across the, the board as far as ideas. It's, it's because of the man like Josh Hawley, for example, he's a huge fan. Uh, I am not, I am not a huge fan, it, you know, and, but, but do I think Jack Danforth's a good man? You're damn right. I do. And, 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 and while at the same time, I know we would have different views. I know we do have different views on a variety of issues or in that case, a political candidate. So had, for example, Jack Danforth been George W. Bush's running mate in 2000, as he was very close to being, I personally think the world is a better place than it is right now. Um, so do with that what you want, but I think that that is, that that's where I'm coming from. If you put somebody who is going to act in the greater good, what he or she thinks is the greater good from an honest position, uh, that's who gets my vote. And so Adam, with your question specifically, um, my answer is no, uh, regarding my politics, but my politics are not necessarily policy related so much as they are candidate related. Now, if you're voting on an amendment or something, it can't be anything but policy. But so often what people associate, especially right now as we speak here in 2019, are you for Trump or are you anti-Trump? That's essentially what it is uh, because uh, you can certainly have some kind of uh, Venn diagram with regard to overlapping like a Republican who is not a fan uh, of, of president Trump or there's somebody who voted for Barack Obama in 2008, who is a fan, take your pick, whatever the case might be. And that's where we are right now. But, um, as far as my politics, it's never for me. I mean, I voted, if you like the list, uh, I voted for Bob Dole. I didn't know what the hell I was doing in 1996. Not to say that I do now, but I truly didn't know what the hell. And, and so much of that when you're, cause I just turned, I guess I was, I just turned 20, but I mean, you're in college and it's not like you're locked in. Uh, but, but so much, and I think it still goes on. So much of people's politics is what their parents are. And my parents are Republican. Um, and I think so much of that for them, and I could be wrong. I know for my mom, uh, the abortion issue is a huge deal to her. I respect it. I, I, you know, uh, but, but I know, I mean, she was the president of birthright in St. Louis. I mean, it is a very important thing to her and if that is something that is of the opinions, then then for a lot of people, that's who they're going to vote for and vice versa uh, on the other side of that debate. Um, and for my dad, you know, I, I would imagine uh, his Catholic faith and the abortion issue plays a role in it. And I know plenty of people will go, well, fuck them. And, you know, it's, it's fine. You can say it. It's not like I'm going to go on tilt over it. Um, and some people will be like, good for them. And for me, it's just what you're raising and you think that that's right. But that's the thing that I, I look back on that I think is at the core of some of the issue is that almost in like dogmatic fashion. And I think even more so now, but I can't necessarily speak to it because my son's only, uh, you know, uh, you know, one years old, or one year old, that you almost by osmosis take on the politics of your parents and then because you don't understand the nuances of it, uh, you're almost like cheering for a team. And so the other team is bad. 
Uh, and that's one of the things that I always cite with, with regard to the political candidate I made reference to being a large fan of, uh, and that is Jack Danforth, that he said, if you take the position that you are the party of God, which he believes the Republican Party has done, which has disappointed him as a person of faith, an Episcopalian minister and a Republican, uh, then all that means is that the party on the other side can't be the party of God, and then therefore it is a case of right and wrong, and therefore you can't have compromise, which is what he says is at the root of the issue, which is what I agree with. Uh, amongst other things with him. And I just think he's acting in the best interest. Uh, what he thinks is, is the best interest, even though we debate on some other topics, specifically as I made reference to Hawley, but Dole, Bush in 2000, uh, Kerry in 2004, why did I switch the Iraq war? Um, was standing in my hotel room covering Missouri in the NCAA tournament in March of 2003, watching the, uh, the first night of the Iraq war. And I just remember thinking to myself, what in the hell are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we in this war? Um, and I felt like from my standpoint, from a policy standpoint, in my opinion, and you're welcome to email me and disagree. And I mean, attacking doesn't really get anywhere, but, uh, you can state your read, but from my, in my lifetime, 42 years old, still to this day. And I hope still to this day, it will be the worst policy decision that I'm aware of anyway. Um, and I thought it in the moment, which is why I hold people's esteem and higher esteem when they have a moment of clarity before the cards are turned over. So for those who voted against it, even though it was unpopular, they thought it was wrong and they voted against it, then I, I have a great deal of respect for that. Uh, hence, 2008, Barack Obama, uh, 2012, Barack Obama, and 2016, Hillary Clinton. Um, and But in the Missouri primary, I voted for John Kasich. So, you know, I'm all over the map. Um, and I would have happily voted for, um, I would have happily voted for John McCain had Hillary Clinton been the candidate in 2008 for the record, assuming then he wouldn't have selected Sarah Palin as his running mate. So with that all said, um, you know, I don't, I have no idea who the Democrats will put on the presidential ticket in 2020. I, I, you know, I put a poll up on the fan page last week and I was legitimately surprised by the, the reaction. Um, and I know the vast majority of you listening to this didn't see that. And so I said, of the people, and I listed the people who have either said they are going to run in 2020 uh, or they uh, have already begun the process of doing so or have been reported to be looking into it, who do you think uh, has the best chance of winning the Democratic nomination? And it was a runaway for Joe Biden. And I was legitimately surprised by that. And that's not because I'm strongly for or strongly against Joe Biden. It was because Joe Biden will be 78 years old in November of 2020. Um, and listen, I, if, if I think somebody's great and that person's 36 years old and that person can get my vote, and if I think that person at 78 years old is the best person, then that person get my vote. Uh, it's just that Biden hasn't announced that he's going to do it. And, uh, and, you know, I just think that for some people, some people are going to go, man, I don't know about putting somebody in there at 78 years old. And then kind of an acknowledgement at that point that there's a very good chance that this person will be a one-term president. But either way, um, I think that, I think it's a commentary in, in a couple of different ways. The, the, the fondness that, uh, a part of the population has towards the Obama administration. Um, and then on the other side of it, uh, a lack of anybody else really emerging to get people excited at this moment, very early in the game, but at this moment. Uh, so, you know, with regard to my child, 
impacting my politics? Um, the answer is no. I think about things differently with regard to my personal um, thought process. You just can't help but I mean, anybody who's a parent understands that uh, immediately. And it's just one of those things that if you don't have a child, you, you can sit there. And I just feel like sometimes people with children then see, say to people without children certain things. And, it, and it, I thought it can, to me, I kind of thought some of it would come off as condescending. You know, I like, I hate when people say, well, enjoy it. They grow up so fast. And I know there's no malice meant in it, but I'm just like, eh, okay. I mean, what, what am I going to do differently now? You know, like just sit and stare at them because I'm, it's like, oh shit. In five years, it's going to feel like, you know, he's 40 years old and, uh, you know, I, I fucked up by not enjoying it. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I love it. I couldn't, I couldn't, as I said in the John Hewlett and Learn interview, I feel I'm, I'm leveraged emotionally like I have never been before. Uh, by loving someone as much as I love my son. But, um, you know, like, oh, you can't possibly understand because you're not a parent. Yeah, I just, I, I, I didn't understand it until I now have this being I love so much. And so once you have that, that part of your life, which you didn't know was there, then you understandably think differently. But I don't think differently politically. So I'm sure a lot of people do. I don't. So it's a very good question. It's just, uh, for me, the answer is no. But I, I think I think a lot of people do. Hey, Ryan Kelly is a great sponsor of this podcast. As a matter of fact, he's the studio sponsor of this podcast and has been since we started. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff with us from the very beginning. And the reason why? Well, because I know that if you are in the market to buy a home or refinance, there's only one place you want to go, and that's Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Whereas other places have shut down or had to make cuts, Ryan Kelly keeps growing. Why? Because he runs a great business where people truly do save money and the process, whether it be of closing on a new home or refinancing, is made easier because of his staff. Ryan, good people, saving you money, buying a home, refinancing, only one name to know and one place to go. And that's the HomeLoanExpert.com, the sponsor of our studios on The Tim McKernan Show. Uh, next question, Tim, in episode 149. Wow. I didn't even know what episode number we're on. This is Rogan-esque. We'll see what it said. Tim, uh, or is that where we are? That's where we are. Oh, so we're really going back. Holy shit. Tim, in episode 149, you discussed planning for the future of your son's education. That got me thinking about the private school landscape and the judgments associated with the various private slash public schools in the St. Louis area. So here's the question. Knowing how important your child's education is to you and assuming money is no object. Well, this is <laughs> and assuming money is no object. What in the world? What do you, well, there's, there's, there is really a misperception of, uh, of my upbringing and, and my financial situation. Um, how would you consider the possibility of sending your uh, own child to one of the well-known uh, top private schools in the area. Think MICDS, John Burroughs, or Whitfield. As a public figure, do you think you would receive backlash from some in the community for being associated with one of these schools? How would you handle this? Or do you disagree with the premise that the best opportunities for a high-quality education can be had at one of these non-sectarian private schools? Love the show and the podcast, and thank you for thank you for reading. See, that's how well-heeled I am. I'm belching in the middle of the question. Uh, that comes from Rick. 
Uh, all right. This is this. Like I said, I like these things because they make me think and they make me think on the spot. Um, and I, and they don't get me wrong. I read the questions and I set them aside, but I didn't like as reading them. I didn't like write out my talking points on how to answer them. Uh, and, and, and then reading it out loud or aloud, I should say, uh, is the assuming money is no object thing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not mocking your question. It's just, that's just, you know, I mean, you know, that's just not, that's just not where we are here. Uh, so, you know, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Uh, however, it is a misperception. And, uh, if, and when, uh, Jack Danforth does get me to run for office, I suppose I'll have to turn over my tax returns and you'll go, Oh, I listened to him on January 21st or 22nd of 2019. And he said, uh, that, uh, he, uh, money was, was an object, uh, and he was not bullshitting. So it, it, listen, I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, it's not like when I started out in TV, uh, but it's also, you know, in, in my opinion, it's like Gordon Gecko in the back of the limousine with Bud Fox. Uh, I'm not talking about some $400,000 a year schlub working as a vice president on, on Wall Street and how, ma- how many of us would love to, to be banking four hundred k a year and, and working on Wall Street in New York City uh, with all kinds of bonuses set up for you. Uh, he's, I'm talking about liquid. So when I think of money being no object, I'm talking about people flying in and out of spirit and, you know, vacationing at their home and take your pick of whatever, uh, fine establishment in Palm Springs or Palm beach or whatever the hell else might be. So it depends on your perception, but operating off that and getting that out of the way, which of course is always an awkward topic anyway, and treated really bizarrely in St. Louis, uh, I think. Uh, or in some weird way, success is almost kind of shit upon or ambition is shit upon. Let's now tend to the actual question. How would you consider the possibility of sending your own child to one of the well-known top private schools in the area? Think MICDS, John Burroughs, or Whitfield. Honestly, here's how detached I am. Gangster Pete, I'm going to need you to chime in. I, I know of Whitfield, but I, when I think of like the, like growing up, in South City, even though I'm now apparently perceived as being old money, which is phenomenal, and I'm sure a lot of my friends from St. Gabriel's would love hearing this shit, uh, but whatever, can't do anything about it. It's just not true, but whatever, you can't do anything about it. Uh, I was under the impression, because I didn't even really know anything about it, that what at the time was called Country Day, now is MICDS, Mary Institute Country Day School, uh, and John Burroughs. I'd never even heard of Whitfield. I was under the impression that like St. Louis U High kind of ran the city, but is now the way I would describe my understanding of it now in this, if we were to apply this provincial bullshit to actually a corporate structure, the St. Louis U high grad might actually operate the business, but the St. Louis U high grad doesn't own the business. The guy who owns the business or has the majority, uh, is a MICDS or Burroughs grad. What is your understanding as a, uh, DeSmet, uh, graduate? Well, MICDS and Burroughs are like mythical places to me. Like, yeah, I didn't even know what the hell. I don't they were. know. I know they don't even talk to me. Right, they don't talk to me. I don't know anyone that went to those places. So yeah, I think you're right. Those are the people that own stuff while Desmet and Slu guys run it. Well, you included Desmet on your own, but that uh, that that I had to the the Whitfield. I'm not. I, I I know a few people now from Whitfield, but I I I didn't know, and I don't know. Maybe they are in the same class. I have no idea. I mean. There was the ABC League, and I don't even know if it still exists, which I think was MICDS Burroughs. Priory was in there. Like, see, now I'm aware of Priory's like another. And I, I just don't know. And then there's there, there's a bunch of, I mean, I haven't been in high school since the 90s. And I, you know, 
in a way, I kind of don't like to go behind the curtains on some of the things, although I'm usually like just being straight, but it's, you know, part of it is like, you know, well, I don't have to do manual labor because I went to St. Louis U high. I don't do manual labor because I don't know how to do it. That's why I don't do it. It has nothing to do with St. Louis U high. Uh, and then secondly, the reason why I make that joke is because I'm mocking this dumb shit of judging somebody by where they went to high school. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it oftentimes can tell you about the person's religion. Um, although if, for example, my son also went to St. Louis U high, he was baptized Lutheran. Um, I don't know what, I, I think Anna, it's important to Anna Marie and I for him to, not to really uh, be religious, if anything, uh, which I know is also counterintuitive, but that's kind of where we are. Uh, and if he does develop some kind of faith, God bless him. Um, but just don't want it to be dogma. Uh, and, and then along the line, and then just like the hypocrisy of some of these things, just, it's just like, gets me nauseous. Uh, and then like how it just like suddenly becomes like who you vote for in campaigns and how that kind of has hijacked the whole system just makes me grossed out. Uh, even though I think the actual teachings of the religions are brilliant. It's just that they're not actually executed, uh, oftentimes. So it, with regard to backlash, I would receive as a, a, a public figure regarding a public figure. I mean, I guess I am, but you know, there are 3 million people in the St. Louis area and I would say 2.975 uh, have zero idea who I am. So public figure, I think in this case is being used liberally. Um, but for, it's like what Frank opinion said, and I think I've cited this before, uh, for that 0.25 who do know who I am, uh, I'm a, I'm, you know, a public figure of importance in, to those people, but for everybody else, like nobody gives a shit, uh, which is a okay with me. So, you know, on that, you know, but, but it was just operating off the premise, which is, a, I think it is a fair premise. I'm not looking to like, I know I'm like dissecting this email, but I don't want to just go along with certain things that I personally, I think it's a great email. I just personally disagree with some of the things that are accepted as, as, as givens. Um, so if we're playing off of, uh, the money being no object thing and we're playing off of the public figure thing as, uh, hypotheses that are accurate, then getting to this point, do I think I would receive backlash from some in the community for being associated with one of these schools? How would I handle it? Or do you disagree with the premise that the best opportunities for a high quality education can be had at one of these non-sectarian private schools? I think the first two are totally different than the, than the last question there. Uh, I receive backlash. I don't know if I would say at this point on a daily basis, but that's mainly because I don't really get involved on Twitter. If I tweeted more, I would get more backlash. I know part of it is because I, I don't know what I get out of tweeting. Um, if it can, if I, if it can actually be laid out to me as kind of a, a formula a metric of, okay, well, if you tweet this many times, you're going to make this much more money. I, I might be like, okay, well now there's some juice and it's worth the squeeze. But it's not, it's like, just like a, it's a downside festival. So why would I fuck with it? Um, and then, and then you expose yourself to people who are, who are just fucking the absolute worst cowards who hijack the American flag, uh, or a picture of a dog to hide behind their, you know, bigoted, you know, hateful 
shitty tweets. Um, I'm, I'm just, what upside is there in, in engaging in that? Uh, but if I did, I'd get more of that. So at this point, for the most part, rarely do I receive like hate mail via email. I got a lot more and I've saved them. I mean, I've got emails saved from the late 90s uh, when I was anchoring at KOMU and I was pissing people. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, so the point is, is I've, I'm used to, to backlash. Um, and it, and I don't, and I, I, I never want I, when anytime anybody says it doesn't bother, and maybe they might be speaking the truth. It's just, it's degrees of bothering you. And as time goes on and you kind of become more used to it, it's like the first kick to your knees stands out a lot more than like the hundredth. And so you kind of become used to it, but it's not like the hundredth feels good or you don't notice it. You still feel it, but you now know what it feels like and you can kind of compartmentalize it better. Um, so it's like funny when I, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've had my ass ripped in the newspaper. I've had people make shit up about me in the newspaper and then it's just published. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of fucked up that that can be in there uh, when it's not true or somebody's just saying it is and I can't do anything about it unless I want to engage in a, a war of words with, you know, somebody who I don't really think is necessarily worth the time uh, or is somebody, you know, attacking or making something up online. And again, it's not like you enjoy it. It's just you compartmentalize it. And also, in fairness, I think a factor would be, you know, for example, Pete is in studio here with me. Uh, he has been, you know, I guess, I don't know if the right term would be public figure, but people who are listeners of TMA now are more familiar with him. And this podcast are now more familiar with him than a year ago. Uh, but he's only got like eight months of a track record. I've now been in the market for 20 years. And, uh, you know, even though I, I totally under, and it's not like I'm like, oh man, that's you know, not cool that, uh, you say these things. I'd like to think people go, yeah, I totally disagree with the shit he says, but you know, it's not like he's out there, you know, getting shit faced or beating people or saying racist shit or something like, you know, take your pick of whatever things it is. It's kind of like, yeah, I think he's a fucking pervert and I would not want my daughter married to somebody who talks about porn on the radio and it, I think it's really disappointing that he went to a Catholic school and he talks about being agnostic or that fucking liberal or whatever the things that I can picture being attached to me. I understand all that. I, of course, disagree with it, but I understand it. But that's different than being like, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, a, a, a shitty human being uh, who's, you know, creating acts of violence or crime. So, so that that I would hope would be in play, but I also know that it, it, that inevitably, uh, at least I think, and I've talked about this with my wife, that, you know, it's so, like the cat kind of, the cat jokingly talks about coaching his son in, uh, in basketball, tweets about it, talks about it on the radio. And, uh, you know, I don't think that I would do that, but it's not because of uh, not wanting to do it, uh, it's because I feel like inevitably, because I hear these horror stories of parent stuff, I'm telling you, it's, it, I don't want to say it scares me, but I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know how well I'm going to do with it. Not that I'm going to be like vocal of anything. I mean, I'll just be a wallflower. I know my personalities I already know how it's going to work. Uh, but like when I see it, if I see it and I gather, it sounds like it's not an, if it's a, when I see it. 
you know, whether it be some parents screaming at his kid or another kid or an umpire or referee, I mean, wow, that's just not, you know, that's just not, that's not for me. That's not where I am. Uh, but if I were to coach, I feel like inevitably somebody would say, oh, we can't have him coach. He talks about the sex on the radio and his podcast. And have you seen his tweets? And I just don't want to put my son through that, you know? So now it might be, now that might be, that might be, um, a supposition that is inaccurate, but all it takes is one. And I just, I, I just don't want to expose my son to, to any of that bullshit, you know? Um, maybe I'm wrong. But that's, that's now, now the cat, the cat is uh, a different personality. And by that, I mean his on-air personality. And for that matter, his off-air personality. I mean, he's not like, yeah, Aaron got me tickets to the AVNs for Christmas. That's not the way that, that he is. And I've gone to the AVNs for Christmas. My wife got me the tickets twice when we did go and went with me. And we laughed our asses off and had a great time. But I all, and it's like, then Doug's like, well, would you be embarrassed to see somebody know that? I'm like, fuck no. This is, I make no secret of my enjoyment of pornography and bizarre sexual stories and experiences. So, you know, it's kind of who I am. Uh, and I recognize plenty of people are not there with me or they don't want to talk about it. And I get it. I got no problem with that. But I just, I don't want my family to experience the ramifications, i.e. my child. So digging down into backlash from some form in the community, I'm already aware of getting it because I've gotten it for other things over the years. And then I'm already thinking ahead. So your question's a good one. But if I were to send my son to MICDS, which is certainly not something we've been sitting there going, should it be MICDS or Burroughs, you know, as we, uh, sip scotch, uh, I, I mean, God, it, it, it honestly, that part never crossed my mind. If I would experience backlash, my honest answer is though, I don't, I don't care. And I know it might sound like, oh, you're saying you don't care, but I, I, but I, I mean, is somebody really like really going to go, wow, fuck him. He's sending his son to MICDS or Burroughs. I mean, I, I guess maybe this stuff's possible. Like for real, if my son can, and if my son wants to, go to where I went to high school and my brother currently teaches and my other brother, Danny, uh, went to for the first two years of his time, uh, in high school. Um, and my grand, both of my grandfathers went to St. Louis U high, then I would be all for it. Cause I hold that place in very high esteem, not because of, Oh, you went to St. Louis U high. Well, good. Now we can give each other the secret handshake and, and, you know, pass, you know, $25,000 checks back and forth. But because from my, in my experience, which again was 1990 to 1994, it truly, first off, it was way more tough than, than the University of Missouri. So I guess by definition, it did prep you, um, which I suppose is the goal. But secondly, it was, it was more about the, the way to think and also the way to try to treat people. And, and those are the best lessons. And I just hold the place in incredibly high regard. Um, so that's where I am. But if my son does not want to go there and if he can't get in there, who knows? I don't know where things will be here in 16 years, uh, or what it will be, I guess, 12 years, uh, then, then, then God bless, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of where we are in the high school thing. But as you know, I, I, we've talked about, a few people have asked about it and I had this discussion, um, I guess I shouldn't name the person, but I've had this discussion regarding like grade school, what we call grade school, I think public school 
calls it elementary school. I don't know. And then I find out like, it's like, I said, yeah, I babysat Jameson. You didn't babysit. You parented. What the fuck? What in the hell? Yeah. Oh, this is, this shit's real gangster Pete. I'm not even aware of it. It's like, you can do something that you don't even realize is horrible. It's an amazing phenomenon of 2019. Uh, and I don't know on that because people are like, well, why would you send him to St. Peter's if, you, and first off, he's by definition not Catholic. He's Lutheran, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know. What the, you know, uh, he's baptized Lutheran. Uh, and then you and your wife are, are not looking to instill a religious upbringing. And I'm like, yeah, very fair question. And you live in Kirkwood and there are great schools in Kirkwood. I'm like, very fair question. I'm like, it, I don't know. We're going to have to, we're going to have to think through it. Um, and it's, and it's, an, it's what I'm, what I'm learning and, I, and for those of you who've been along for the ride through going back to 2002 when the morning grind slash after wasn't even around to now in 2019, and as it turns out based on a lot of emails, there are a number of you who were, which is, which I couldn't be more grateful for. It's also surprising. Um, the, I think, I think it'd be fair to use the term evolution. I know I would use the term evolution because I hear myself in some of these shows a decade ago, or really more like the morning grind era and just go, oh, fuck that guy that I'm now learning and you're witnessing learning things that many of you as parents already are well aware of, which is kind of like this, like I've had, I don't want to say more people, but I've had multiple occasions for real when people who I don't know, and, I'm, and I've enjoyed the conversation. I just was like, holy shit, I'm surprised. My son isn't even a year old. And people are saying, so are you going to send him to uh, St. Peter's? You're going to send him to, and I don't even know what, what, is it Tillman? Is it Kaiser? I don't know. Uh, that, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He's, you know, a year old, not sure, you know, but it's a thing. And I, you know, and it's just, I'm just not, I don't know. I, and I don't know if, it, I mean, I, maybe it's a thing in other places, other cities. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like disparaging St. Louis. I'm not even disparaging the conversation because it's a legitimate conversation. It's just, you know, other people are thinking about it before me and my wife had thought about it, but it's a real part of life. Specific question on backlash. Uh, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. I have had a number of people since Mark started advertising on the show say to me via email or when I see him at, at events, you know what? I was hesitant to reach out just because I had a feeling it wasn't going to be great news. And then I did reach out and not only is Mark an incredibly kind person, but he's so thorough. And then after talking with him, I felt better. And so if you are like I was for a number of years, well into my thirties and feeling like, yeah, I just don't know what I'm doing with my money. I don't really know anything about it. People start talking about this or that, and I don't understand it. And I'm a little embarrassed and that's where I was. Then please, and I say it with just the utmost sincerity. Go online to evergreenstl.com to find out more about Mark Hanna or just give him a call. 314-889-0503. If you want to get a clear picture of what you have and if it's appropriate for your current financial needs, it just starts off with a phone call. 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Online at evergreenstl.com. Yeah, the honest answer on that is I legitimately don't give a fuck. And now maybe if and when it were to happen, I will change my tune. I'd be surprised if I did. But part of it is, 
in order for me to give a fuck, it means it would have to happen. And I'm just not sure it would happen. Like, I don't know where, like, you know, like, I guess I know where Doug's, I, one of Doug's sons went to St. Louis U High. And I think the only reason I knew that is because Doug asked me about St. Louis U High before he was, like, when he was back, like, in seventh grade. Uh, just talking about, like, how much it cost. And I'm just like, you know, all I can say, I can't speak to the others, but I can just tell you that my experience, which granted was at this point, you know, now it's approaching 25 years ago. At that point, it was like 18 years ago was just an incredible positive. And, you know, I look at a lot of my classmates and how they have turned out. And, you know, I mean, God, I mean, it's like laughable when somebody says, you know, assuming money is no object. I do have classmates from St. Louis U I, where I would say, yes, money is no object. Like I'm talking like real, real, real dollars. Um, and it's not because of St. Louis U High. It's just, it's, it, it is, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it, the story I've told a number of times and I know I can be repetitive on this thing, but it's obviously, it's totally improv and just I answer questions and then I answer them. So it's like a conversation, except it's really a monologue. And I remember the first day, first week of being at St. Louis U High. And again, it's not like St. Gabriel's is, you know, I mean, I love St. Gabriel's big time, um, but it was a different, it's a different mindset. It's, it's, you know, and that's where I was. And the first week or day or whatever it was at St. Louis U High and they're doing the, the announcements in the morning and they're making an announcement for, and the chess club will have, I guess, tryouts, which sounds fucking weird, but I think that's what it was. The chess club will have tryouts or its first meeting coming up this afternoon. And I turn, even though I know no one, uh, you know, to like shit on the chess club. And there's like five or six guys going, Oh good. And they're like writing down the information. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Cause in my mind growing up at the time I started high school, when I was 13. The, you know, you associate the chess club with like, just like a stereo, like Paul Pfeiffer on the wonder years that, you know, that, that was the show at that time. And it's just like nerdy, but there it's like, Oh, you got on the honor roll. That's a great thing. It's not like you got your ass beat because you got good grades. It was encouraged. So, you know, again, this is 20 some odd years ago, but to me, there's something to be said for that. And then also from a religion standpoint, which is obviously part of the curriculum in a Jesuit high school, Catholic Jesuit high school, um, as I've, as I've discussed both on the radio and in private conversations and on the podcast, uh, I like the fact that the Jesuits challenge you with, uh, questions, um, about religion, as opposed to saying, this is the way it is. Now I realize the, the young person's mind growing up is, is only so capable of nuanced critical thought that you're going to then try to navigate when you're in your teens. But I thought that, you know, for being somebody who is not religious, I thought the critical thinking that you were implored to, uh, participate in, in theology classes at St. Louis U high in particular, like junior and senior year. And again, I have no idea what they're doing there now with regard to it. Um, like expanded the mind to then be used in other walks of life. So yes, it was a theology class, but it's like challenging you to think through why this is the way that it is. And then how do you reason this out? And then where do you, cause it's not like you believe in God or else it's like, do you? And if you do, then why? Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you why and you're going to have to explain yourself. And so that to me has value. Um, because I, I do have a friend who's a peer of mine from my class there and was looking at sending his, uh, one of his sons there 
and they went on a tour and he's just like, God, and we went there and it's just like, there's a lot of, you know, religion around the school and we're just not sure that's what we want. And I get it. If you're trying to uh, not raise somebody in a religious household, uh, I, and then all of a sudden now they're hit with that at 13 or 14 years old, I get it. But, you know, from my standpoint, I'm not trying to hide religion from my son at all. Uh, I want him to study a variety of religions. And if one really resonates with him and that becomes, and he becomes, take your pick of whatever faith, but he lives by the tenet of essentially the golden rule of the New Testament, which is uh, love thy neighbor, which I feel like we wind up talking about so often on this podcast, essentially treat others how you want to be treated and that really attempt to live by it, knowing that inevitably you will fail at times, uh, then that's good by me. And I just don't care. That's where I am. And I'm recognizing also that, 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 that prejudice can, it comes, hell, it comes with being Catholic. Uh, it comes with being evangelical, comes with being Muslim, comes with being Jewish, comes with being Buddhist, comes with being atheist, comes with being agnostic. Take your pick. It's not like one is, um, you know, a protected class, but you know, the, 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 the goal would be, be a good person. You know, that's the goal. And however, whatever road takes you there, then God bless. And you have my support. Uh, and then the final question on it, do you disagree? And so it's like a double negative. I'm not shitting on the question. I just, I'm trying to understand it better. Do you, Gangster Pete, see if you have an interpretation. Do you disagree with the premise that the best opportunities for a high quality education can be had at one of these non-sectarian private schools? So is the question, the best opportunity for high quality education can be had at one of these non-sectarian sectarian private schools. And then I'm not, I'm not in agreement with that. In other words, in order to have a great, and you go to MICDS or Burroughs or Whitfield, you're actually not really getting a great education because you're putting yourself in a, in a bubble of, you know, take your pick of whatever word you want to use, which inevitably will piss people off, but wealth, elitism, is that what the question is like? So it would be better for him to go to Kirkwood to get a real world Education. I don't know. I, I, that's why I'm trying to understand the question better. I just think he's asking if you think you can get a good education in other places than those places. Okay, good. Thank you for simplifying it. Uh, my answer to that is easy. That maybe you made the question very easy and he wanted it to be tougher, but the answer then is absolutely hundred percent. Yes. Um, and that's the thing. It's like for me, I, in a way, this won't play well on tiger board, but I would really prefer my son not go to the University of Missouri, which is where my wife and I went, which has nothing to do with anything regarding the University of Missouri so much as I want him to get out and experience, you know, more than the Midwest. Like, I don't want him to go to Illinois either. And so that wouldn't play well with the uh, Chief Alonowick fans. It, 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 but it's got nothing to do with Champaign or Columbia. You know, uh, I, when I worked in Little Rock and television, I, Fayetteville seemed like a pretty cool place, but I really don't want him to go to the University of Arkansas either. I would like for him to experience, uh, I mean, I'm just not well-traveled. I mean, I've essentially, and, and then it's not necessarily, I don't necessarily think it's a horrible thing, but I think you get a more well-rounded and perhaps empathetic worldview by experiencing more than, oh, we got to go beyond 270 today to get there. Um, and, and, and that's my own thing and maybe, you know, but I listen, I wouldn't, I mean, for me, I have been incredibly lucky, 
but I would just like him to get a different experience. But if he's like, listen, dad, I want to go into broadcasting, even though I know that I'll be counseling him against that. Uh, I can't imagine that'll happen, but let's say he really wants to do it. Missouri's still one of the top journalism schools in 16 years, and that's where he wants to go. Okay, uh, that'd be great. But where I sit right now as a parent, I would I would hope if he does want to pursue college that uh, he would go somewhere outside of the Midwest just for the purpose of getting a different experience. And who the hell knows what things will be like? <laughs> I mean, fuck. Uh, so we're going, we're comparing and contrasting like 2003. It's like I'm watching like the Sopranos marathon now. I've got like eight episodes to watch before we take off for spring training. So I'm going to be like binging here over the next 24 hours. Uh, as if I couldn't possibly watch it on my, uh, you know, phone or when I get to, to spring training, but whatever, I'm obviously fucked up. But, uh, and like a show that's, you know, that ended in 2007. I mean, they're, you know, Vito, when he goes to see Johnny Cakes is, is, is throwing his singular, you know, flip phone out the window. And, you know, the idea of calling people and not texting them is not even, uh, is not even like, and this is 2007, 2007, much less like looking something up. I mean, these are people that I consider, you know, current. Hell, I watched that Sopranos reunion uh, that the Today Show had. First time I've watched the Today Show, but it was on YouTube. And so they were able to do like 45 minutes. Great shit. Major recommendation for that, by the way. Um, And Michael Imperioli, who I always kind of looked at being younger than me, uh, Christopher Maltesanti, for you Sopranos fans, and he looks like, you know, he's he's like a he's like a step before Steve Martin with regard to like his hair now. And I'm like, holy shit! And then I look, and I'm like, fuck, Maltasanti, Christopher, is, uh, I think 52 or 53 years old. And I'm like, holy shit! And I was talking about it with Frank Cusimano's producer Brian Hoffman, and so I'm tweeting about it too. Like he pictures those characters frozen in time. So then you see him, you know not even 12 years later. And it's like, whoa, like, uh, Paulie Walnuts. Fuck. You know? So it goes quickly, but things change so drastically. So I'm sitting here having a conversation about some, but it's a, these questions are good and I like them. And I, and I guess the reasons why questions from the audience gets the traction that it does is because we're talking about questions that aren't just like, so, Tim, in broadcasting, your inflection on, you know, certain words, what are they? And tell me what uh, you would do to get into broadcasting. Because then we're only talking about shit that I can relate to. These are things that we all can relate to in some capacity um, with as far as education choices for our children, if that's the direction that you're looking to go. So, great question. I love these kinds of emails. Uh, and I'm getting a bunch more as we sit here and talk. But let me go to uh, this one, and this is, this has kind of been a theme of the guests of the podcast here recently with regard to the merger. Uh, and it comes from a gentleman named John. So everybody didn't use their last name, so I will respect that. But I swear these questions are real. I'm not like having Pete type out questions. And then I read them. These are, these are hundred percent. I know the people who write them in know because they hear their questions. Get asked. Hi, Tim, two civic minded questions for you. Uh, number one, better together opposition. You and your co-hosts have dedicated some recent discussion on TMA to the better together effort and the arguments for and against city county unification. I'd like to get your honest take on how big a factor racism plays into the against crowd. I know you'll shoot it straight as you've always been candid on this topic before. And I certainly know that you can't say it's a definitive percentage or anything like that, but I believe strongly there's a racial angle to the opposition, even though it may not be rooted in any sort of facts. 
and I'd appreciate getting your thoughts on it. That's number one. And then number two, Missouri is a red state. As you know, Missouri has known, uh, was, was known as a swing state for a period of time leading up to the late 2000s, and now it's almost exclusively referred to as a red state. Why do you think that is, and have you had any conversations with folks like Mr. Danforth that have been able to shed light on this trend, given that the overall demographics of the state aren't much different than they were 20 years ago. As a South City native who somewhat reluctantly moved to the suburbs amidst mixed feelings years ago, I'll admittedly say my first question is the one I'm most interested in hearing your thoughts on, but really thank you for reading and considering, even if you don't cover these on the podcast. Thanks again. That's from John. All right. Uh, So with regard to your question on race and the city-county merger, uh, I am 100% in on race being a big factor, 100%. I will almost always come at a topic regarding St. Louis's past, present, and future and bring race into the discussion um, because I think it's always in the discussion. Uh, there are a handful of times where I will take the side of uh, those who do not see it that way. Uh, this Kevin Steincross situation on Fox 2, I am... Uh, completely on the opposite side of the NAACP and uh, as written in the post-dispatch, their quest for Fox 2 to fire him. Uh, I completely disagree with that, all while saying that I am of the opinion that the NAACP has done some incredible things to fight discrimination Um, and also that I believe St. Louis has a major race problem, major race problem, uh, that it's actually starting to get known for by people who are St. Louisans and then move. And I'm talking about people who I know who are in Chicago who will email me or text me or people who I know in LA who will email me and text me and go, God, you don't realize it until you're away from it. Like how like this, it, and that's the thing. It's not like, I think some people think of racism as like the Klan or like, you know, somebody dropping N-bombs. And I'm talking about like the casual racism, you know, like saying something that's just like, blatantly bigoted, but kind of like looking around to make sure they're in the clear to say it. That's what I would describe it as. Uh, and, and then oftentimes I don't even think it's necessarily hateful, so to speak. Uh, and by that, I mean outwardly violent in the language or actions uh, so much that it's almost like just part of the subconscious, which is why I go out of my way to talk about it because I want to call attention to it. And I'm not looking to change hearts and minds or anything like that. Uh, I'm just looking to have a conversation and I'm also open to being told, I think you're wrong and maybe I am wrong, but this has been my personal experience. So in that case, I'm always going to say, yeah, I think it's a factor. And I absolutely think it's a factor. hundred percent think it's a factor in a major way. Think it's a factor. Uh, it's like Metrolink expansion. Well, I don't want that. Well, why don't you want that? Well, you know, okay. You know, so we'll, we'll sit there and perform manual on each other and as opposed to have an honest conversation about it. But, you know, what is at the root of it? Well, the root of it is a societal structure in particular around here that, that doesn't allow people to advance out of poverty or makes it incredibly difficult to do. So I'll tell you, you know, we started off the podcast with a question regarding, um, have my politics changed, uh, since having a child and I, and, and they haven't, as I answered that question, but I will say this, Well, we had a unique situation with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and that is after working with him doing his spots, I got to a point where I said, 
I have to make the switch to you, James. And I had to make the switch to him because uh, he did something really quickly uh, for us uh, that was important to Inside STL, and it was taken care of much more efficiently than past experiences with other insurance companies. And I'm like, James, I got to switch to you. And then he's like, oh, I don't want you to do that if you're going to be in an awkward spot with your current insurance guy. And I said, I, listen, I understand and I appreciate that. In other words, it wasn't like, yeah, I'll advertise with you if you switch your business over to me. That's where he was. But he was so good and his staff was so good that I had to make the switch and it has been an absolute game changer for me and my wife, our family. And that's when it got down to it, what I thought I had to do. I had to take care of my family. And you can't leave yourself exposed in any capacity that could put your family in a bad spot, whether that be life insurance, whether that be disability insurance, or what we all know that we have to have insured. And that is, of course, home and auto insurance. James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. He makes sure that you call him during business hours. You are going to have your call answered. And how refreshing is that? Sounds very basic, but James goes above and beyond for what most companies are doing right now to make sure you know that the customer service you're going to get is better than any other place. And on top of that, he can save you money. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. And I've, and I've said this, I was, I, I saw a doctor yesterday uh, who I, I know has done very well for himself and he's a doctor, but I mean, he's done very, very well for himself. Great guy, smart guy, no idea where he is politically, but he was just asking what, uh, what it's, you know, what my experience has been like now as a parent. Uh, and I told him how much I loved it and said some of the same things that I said uh, to you here earlier on the podcast. But one of the things that I've said to my wife, um, in private, and I will now say on the podcast, is this. It's a battle, as many of you already know, to parent when you just have one child. And you might even be in a spot, as, as I am lucky enough to be in, where my wife does not work, and so she takes care of them. Plus, we have all four of our parents, all who live within, God, no more than 20 minutes of us. And so we have, you know, free free, can I say babysitting since they're not the parents or will I get hate mail for it? Free babysitting. Uh, and Anna Marie's able to watch him, you know, and, and we're, we're, I'm not lost in the fact like, Oh, I should be entitled to that because I've been able to do this or that. I'm lucky, man. I am fucking lucky, 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 lucky. But even with that, it still can be an absolute battle. And that's being in a really lucky position. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, it just, and so when he's going bat shit and we're both like, Oh my God, what I've said to her. And then she'll go, oh God, you're, you're right. And it's not like a, you know, heal the world. Let me appeal to my, you know, you know, liberal wing of the audience. It's just my honest thought. And that is, I can't imagine what it's like for a single mother or father, but single mother specifically is, is what I picture more often than not, who has multiple children, who's working multiple jobs just to tread water. And here we are in a spot where I fuck off on the radio 
for three hours. I fuck off on a podcast three times a week. And yes, I've taken some chances and fortunately a few of them have worked out and it's, it's put me in a, in a better spot. Um, which then allows my wife to, to stay at home with our son. But I, I'm, it's not, you know, this whole thing with you're in a position, not that anybody was saying it like in a shitty way. Uh, if anything was probably said in a complimentary way, but that money's no object, which is just respectfully, I say that's just not accurate. But either way, I also am aware that it's a different position uh, that I consider fortunate. I mean, it's not like it wasn't done. Like I said, I don't know. It's certainly hard work, but also some calculated risks is what I would describe more entrepreneurial. But either way, you, you also take shots that don't work out. I've got I've got plenty of swings and misses too, man. And plenty of people have, have, have done way better than I have for certain. But either way, taking that out of the equation, just recognizing the, the good fortune that I've that I've had and that I'm 40 when I had our first child and we were in a different situation as opposed to say 20 or 25 or in a spot where uh, you got to, um, you know, everybody's working and working multiple jobs and so on and so forth. And then you sit there and you go, my God, how would somebody, how would somebody even possibly, possibly be able to, to do that? And so I have the utmost, you know who I respect? I respect people who do things that I just go, I couldn't possibly do it. And whether that's somebody who goes, you know what? I can't believe what I saw on September 11th and I am signing up uh, for the military services. I'm serving, uh, signing up because I, th- that's my principle. God bless you. I would, I, I just, I don't have the balls to do it. So, I mean, how can, I mean, I, even if I'm anti-Iraq war, I am pro somebody having that courage and doing what they think is the right thing to do. And so I suppose that would be a good conservative talking point, but it's how I personally feel. And I have the utmost respect for a single mother who's grinding through working as many jobs as possible uh, to attempt to raise multiple children by herself, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, and, and then it's just, it's like I said, it's just like one life experience that is, that, that, that makes you see things differently. It doesn't change me politically, but it makes me have a great, it makes me have a greater empathy, I guess would be the word which I guess has now kind of been used now as a bad word in some, in some parts of the world. But I mean, it's, it's, it's an honest feeling. That's how I see it. And, 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 and I, and I don't think I could have, you can say it before you have a child and you certainly can have every intent of meaning it, but until you actually do, you go, Oh my God, like this is Jason Robards to Steve Martin in the 1988 film parenthood, which was supposedly based in Kirkwood, even though it was not shot in Kirkwood. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but you never cross the goal line as a parent. You never get to do your touchdown dance. It's always there. And Jason Robards, I think at the time was, I think his character was supposed to be in his seventies. And even then he's dealing with one son who's a degenerate gambler. Steve Martin's losing his job and has a behavioral issue with one of his kids. And uh, his da- daughter is a mom who's having trouble with her daughter. And it's, it's, a, it, he goes, it's, it's, it never ends. It's not like when they're 18, it ends. It's a constant thing. And so I just look at that and I have the greatest appreciation for it. Um, but all while saying that, you know, one of our next guests coming up on the podcast is the Chesterfield mayor, Bob nation. And so even though he's coming from one of the, uh, the highest income zip codes that you're going to find in the St. Louis area and is not for the merger, 
just because his constituents have done well for themselves, however it's wound up happening. And I feel like now it's like in vogue to like shit on people who have been successful. Um, you know, like look at these privileged white kids at the Lincoln Monument, uh, you know, and that will shit on them, uh, which I totally disagree with. That, uh, that, he still has every right to express his concerns. What is his concerns and the concerns of his constituency get disregarded because they've made more money than others? We're all pulling in the same direction and the best interests of the community are working together to try and make it work, which will require some compromise. But if you come to the table with the mindset that I want nothing to do with the black community, or on the other side of it, you come to the table with the mindset that I want nothing to do with the white community. Well, I'd, I'd, you know, you're welcome to share that, but you're probably not going to be at the table when we get the deal done. So I, I feel like a lot of the backlash to the potential proposal from Better Together, and as I sit here and talk about it, it still has not been, as far as the details and the deal itself, been released, and that could come at any moment, making that comment somewhat dated. Uh, but I think it's in part because of Better Together, you heard from Megan Green. So it's, it's funny, and I, I made this point to Bob Nation. Uh, you know, Megan Green, certainly be the first one to say she is on the left. Bob Nation certainly was happy to say he is on the right. But they both are against the Better Together proposal, even though they're not aware of what the proposal is. There are a number of people who aren't. And not, when I'm not mocking that comment, it's because they don't think that some of the things that have been discussed are in the best interest of what they think is in the best interest of the region. And just had different reasons for getting there. One coming from the left, one coming at it from the right. For Megan, the 1% earnings tax is of great concern. For Bob and many of his constituents, as you will hear him coming up uh, in our next interview, uh, it's we don't want to take on some of the problems of the city. And we're very concerned about that. And we really don't like the idea of the state of Missouri voting on something that does not impact the vast majority of the state of Missouri. This should be voted on by the people of the St. Louis City and St. Louis County. So do we, well, well, Bob's representing a bunch of rich people, so fuck him. Or Megan's representing, a, you know, the left-wing progressive people of the city of St. Louis, so we're not going to listen to her. That's, and I recognize that goes on. And I know that I, and to an extent, subconsciously, I'm certain that I do it, you know. Um, I mean, if President Trump pops up at a, you know, at a briefing and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go, you know. But it doesn't mean that everything he's saying is right or wrong. So you have to, it's like, you just got to try to strip it away and then go, okay, what do you think? And then not take it as like plagiarism from somebody else and then parrot those those talking points. So when I was watching, for example, Donnybrook, which I watched, and I saw Alvin read out a couple weeks ago, and we wound up BSing, and I said, and, and my wife, who like laughs at me for watching Donnybrook, uh, and I saw Alvin read, oh, Alvin, what's up, man? I told I said, I love watching the show. And I said, I might be one of your youngest viewers, but I'm, I'm a Donnybrook guy, DVR it, watch it. He goes, well, we ought to have you on. I go, I don't know if you really want that. Uh, but I said, I, I legitimately love it. And I was, I, one of the things that truly surprised me, but it was eye openings, Alvin Reed and a couple members of the panel uh, said, this thing is not going to work. The better together thing's not going to work. And Alvin said, it's going to be a disaster with school districts. And I'm like, oh, I would have thought the majority of the panel would have been for it. Uh, but actually they were, I, th- I don't know if it was all against it, but certainly the majority were against it or saying it's just not going to work. 
and gave reasons that I hadn't heard before, which I think is healthy. And I realize in a way it's almost talking about this stuff like it's, it's a utopian world because in reality, even here as I talk about be, try, attempting to be open to a different a variety of perspectives, I know that I, I, it's not like I'm infallible in that capacity. I fuck that up. Um, but that's why, you know, so with regard to, I got an email about this with regard to, to the Megan Green interview. Um, and, but it's something I saw, so I'll restate it now. Uh, somebody said, I notice when you, when you do these interviews, uh, it's a different approach than, for example, questions from the audience, because you, uh, you don't jump in and like counter. And I said, yeah, you're hundred percent right. I've said it before, but I know that, you know, there's new listeners now from the outset. My approach on interviews is not, and I know this kind of makes it have a negative connotation, but for the purpose of attempting to explain it, it would something that'll resonate with people is, is not a cable news or a meet the press style of interview. Um, it's a conversation. And so in a conversation, you don't jump in and go, hold on a second, uh, real quick. Let me point to this that you said here, you know, in August of 2017, that's not, that's not how conversation works. And what I have found in my experience with regard to that style of interview, you wind up getting more from your guests and I will opine uh, on questions from the audience. Um, if someone is passing something off factually that is not a fact and I am aware of it, I jump in. Uh, that's, for example, a, a famous segment, infamous, famous, depending on your perspective. Uh, recently on TMA was when uh, Doug was talking about uh, his viewpoint with regard to it all started with Chick with Chick-fil-A and not being open on Sundays um, and then spending money with, um, uh, I guess, a lobby, so to speak, that was ant perceived by LGBT activists as being anti-LGBT. And uh, and then Doug got into his, his perspective on uh, Islam and one of the new uh, Congress people swearing on the Quran as opposed to the Bible. And he was saying some things that I, you know, and, I, and I'm not like, and people are like, man, I wish Tim would jump in more and, you know, shout him. And I'm just like, listen, and I understand that I get it. And I know it would make for, I guess, quote unquote, better radio. But my personal approach on these things, especially at a time where it's so toxic and I'm talking about across the board is to live by what I attempt to talk about, which is welcoming all opinions, opinions, when I emphasize that word, to the open marketplace of ideas, even if I totally disagree with them. However, all opinions in the marketplace of ideas are welcome, and that's different than all facts because all facts are not created equal. There's the ones that are true, and then there's the ones that are conveniently manipulated to fit a narrative. And so when Doug started saying some things that I disagreed with and felt I could provide facts to either read or source that would say that that's incorrect, such as uh, the Christian uh, teachings or the Bible in particular, the book of Leviticus does have hate-filled words or what are perceived as hate-filled words toward homosexuals. Now, some people might go, yeah, and I'm all for that. Well, that's, that's fine. Uh, I personally disagree with it. But if I start shouting him down, then I feel like you get into a spot where people can go, well, you treated him poorly there. And then, and then the actual discussion gets lost in the theatrics of the whole. And that's not personally how I operate. So when I'm interviewing somebody, 
So in this case, Megan Green, upcoming Bob Nation, there were some things that Megan said, there were some things that Bob said that I just flat out disagree with. But again, I feel like, I feel like if it becomes confrontational in the sense that I'm cutting them off from interrupting them, uh, then it's not a conversation. And so if you've listened to these interviews over the year and a half, we've been doing this thing, they're conversations. And so what differentiates a conversation from an interview, a conversation, picture it, you're having dinner with somebody. That's the kind of approach that I have. And so if you totally disagree with somebody you're having dinner with, and it's not like a family member or a close friend, you know, you might just kind of go, okay, you know, I respectfully decline and you follow up or go, okay, well, how'd you arrive at that? Or if you know it not to be true, go, well, what about this? How come you're, you know, uh, so like in the Megan Green interview, I hadn't gone back to listen to the first time she was in studio, but I knew that she had said that she wasn't necessarily like feeling like she was right for, uh, another political office. And I wasn't sure if she was talking about mayor or president of the board of aldermen, which is why I was asking, Hey, why did you, you know, you, I thought you said you did not want to go for another higher office. And she goes, no, I didn't want to go for mayor. Mayor is a lot of administrative. That's not anything that I think I would be good at. President of the board of aldermen is something I think I would be good at. And I'm like, oh, good. You know, I was attempting to figure out, okay, like you sat with me a year ago and said that you didn't want to do this, but yeah, she didn't. It was mayor. So she's not looking to run. Now, if all of a sudden she runs for mayor, then that would change things. But so we, so those kinds of conversations, that's the way that I approach it. And so with regard to the better together question and race, these are my personal opinions. I believe, and I flat out asked Bob Nation, you'll hear this of me said, you know, you're coming at it from here. What would be, what would you say to people go, yeah, you're coming at it from a position of being in Chesterfield. That's a hell of a lot different than the vast majority of the other zip codes who are going to be voting on this thing. If it is limited to St. Louis County and St. Louis city, which is not where it is right now. Um, and he's, and, and to his credit, he said, yeah, it's a fair question. And I've kind of thought about that myself. He said, um, which is, and if I'm coming at him confrontationally, I don't think I get that answer. So that's the reason for the strategy. So if, for example, some people are like, somebody could have called into Rush Limbaugh even and had that take that Doug had and Rush Limbaugh would have cut him off. I really, it's disappointing to me. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You don't like it. That's fine. But just so everybody knows my strategy, that's the reason. You can't talk about wanting everybody's opinions to be heard and then snuff out the ones that make you uncomfortable. You can't, but you can, and I feel have an obligation. If somebody is passing off something as a fact that you know is not true, you do have to point that out. So that's how I approach it. Now it might piss people off, but that's how I have done it. That's how I've chosen to continue to do it. And personally, I think it leads for better conversations with regard to interviews and better honest discussions when it comes to the radio show or the podcast. Uh, with regard to Missouri as a red state and how that has changed, um, my opinion on that is Barack Obama in 2008. That's 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 how it happened. That's my opinion. Now, I'm sure some people will go, I can't believe you're saying that, or that's 100% wrong, um, and you might be right, but that's what I that's what I think it was. And so I think the undercurrent for a lot of that, not for all of that, uh, is that Barack Obama is African American. So that's, that's, it's kind of as, it, it, for me, it's, 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 it's not as cut and dried as that is the reason, but it is, in my opinion, uh, a major reason. And I think it was a major reason for a lot that took place and uh, with his presidency. And then it now has led to, I think, 
President Trump's election. And then you have the, the other way being operated. Like I was sitting there going, my God, there's just like an absolute resistance to anything Barack Obama is going to do. Uh, that's unfortunate. And now I'm seeing a resistance to anything that Donald Trump is going to do. And welcome to gridlock. So, and, and I'm sure some people go, take it back beyond that. Take it back to President Bush, President George W. Bush. Uh, but that is, that's my, that's my opinion on, on what happened. Um, and, and I mean, you know what, I'm sure there's people who are in politics who will go, well, it's not that simple, or I just completely disagree with you. Or there are people who just never want to have race entered into the discussion as a reason. But from my standpoint, that is the primary reason. Uh, as a South city native who somewhat reluctantly moved to the suburbs and missed mixed feelings years ago, I'll admit. Oh, so this is just recapping. Um, so anyway, got a bunch of questions and I don't know how long I spent. My God, I think I spent an hour and a half. Is that right? Gangster Pete, hour and a half. Hour and a half of just me sitting here talking. But I appreciate the questions. Then we wound up getting a bunch more, and I just didn't get a chance to, to get to them. But we will save them. We will continue them on. I love doing questions from the audience. I love that the audience is coming up with better and better questions that kind of lead to these uh, philosophical meanderings. So send them in, man. They're welcome. They can be as crass as you would like to make them. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Send them in. Thank you to TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies at EvergreenSTL.com. Thank you to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to PGA National for being a uh, sponsor of our upcoming event, uh, which you can email me about at T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit. And thank you to Mike Judy of MikeJudyPresents.com. You all make it possible, as, of course, do those of you who are loyal listeners of The Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.